You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people Together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. If you thought that was loud, you can't even imagine how loud it was before I turned it down. Welcome to episode... I don't even know what episode this is. <clears throat> We're a mess this evening. Harry's been frightening people with uh, Tech Talk. Reinhold is here. He's been frightening people with his... Dem- his uh, Democratic opinions. Uh, socialist Ryan Hall will be here. Yep. And then um, I haven't showered in it like a day, so I'm frightening with my. Uh, uh, move down this way. Uh, yeah. Scoot out. Scoot out. Scoot out. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk Brexit tonight. The long awaited Brexit so- show, only three years late. So stay tuned. Warning this show is for adults, produced by semi adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh- Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. What is up, everybody? We are having... It's been a weird night, and it's all my fault. Um, We'll get into that in a minute, but first let me introduce everybody. Uh, Well, I almost said your real name. Reinhold is here, but uh, first let me introduce Harry, because co-hosts go... You know, main co-host. Harry's here every Tuesday. Exactly. Uh, Almost. Almost. Well... The last episode that we were here, we were talking domestic violence, and Harry does not like the cost-type episodes, the ones that are just a little emotionally tough. Let me turn this off. Uh, Harry, Harry, I said, uh, oh, hey, by the way, by the way, next week, uh, we're talking about domestic violence, and he's like, no, uh, i doing that one. I'll be there. But uh, Harry, but how are you? spying is okay. How are you? Doing okay. <laughs> Don't going good. Going good. It's, uh, it's been a, you know, long couple of weeks, but doing okay. Yeah. No, it, it has been. It's always nice to see you. Um, Reinhold, it's always nice to see you as well. Uh, you're very. You need to get a haircut. You look you like a, a hippie. Haircut. Yeah, I am a hippie. You you got like a commie I'm haircut. An old. I'm an old old hippie. I mean, mine mine is like getting Kennedy length. You know, it's it's poofy. No, but it's, it's it's the winter hair. Uh-huh. I need to get a hair. I did the shave thing. You know, mm-hmm. so now I need to get the haircut. I just haven't been out to get one yet. I shaved too. Okay, <laughs> Harry. Like Dennis walked in and. Or, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. uh, right I mean that can't be that much of a secret what you really it's, it's not. it is okay it took I, me months to realize well that's why I, always, I did have somebody in the chat ask me are you right home I'm like <laughs> yeah okay it's not that big of, I am still blocked by a certain person in our group though that I can still read his chats but who who has you blocked John 
John who? Ulrich. Oh, allegedly. Oh, okay. He went. Right. He maybe got really upset. Well, <laughs> about the immigration stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love John. We're we're getting a late start because Harry, someone had a tech question, uh, a privacy question, uh, um, and Harry was frightening this poor person to death. Everybody who ever asks Harry a tech question is immediately regretting it because they're like, "Oh my god, this this is the reality." Like, they're the, Harry. You when you talk about technology, it's so scary. I'm just. It's the truth. All I, I do is try to like show them the world that they live in. Right. And a lot of people just kind of shocked. They just didn't know. Like, well, I didn't know that was there. He told the person Reinhold to microwave their clothes. That was there. And I agreed with him. I See? Didn't. You were no <laughs> better. Crazy. That's not much of a help. This poor it. person was going, uh, and like, microwave your clothes. Why? Because they it. can put RFID chips in the, and like, this person your clothes. is not that smart. Trust me. Ditch the, <laughs> microwave the car. Uh, uh, yeah. Ditch the car. Uh, ditch the phone. Ditch everything. All electronic devices. Ditch it all. Keep moving. Yep. Go, on, go Amish. Yeah, go Amish. Get get rid of your chargers. Yeah, the charger. Well, because a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they do make power bricks with cameras in it and microphones in it for people. You know, these things exist, you know, and much as like, well, where can they get that? Alibaba, Amazon. Uh, right. Wish. Street right. picky. You, you, the internet. Yeah, right. The dark web. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's just like anytime somebody goes. Um, dark web. Take a shot. Anytime I go, you know what? We ought to ask Harry about this. I go, oh, that was a mistake. Because <laughs> they're always frightened after they talk to Harry about technology. I always did was give them the truth and possibilities. That's It, it was very much appreciated. Like um, I got a. Better to be overly cautious. That's right. In situation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's been several different times I had to go, you know, start going dark for a second because I thought I was being tracked with a couple of stuff, and I, you know, you know, salted and moved everything to the ground before. Right. Yeah. Does it suck? Yeah, but you know, you just get that hint of paranoia, and you, you know, you you've got to walk away. You know, just right. have, like um, if you ever watched Heat, right? Never right. get attached to something you just can't walk away from. Okay. Because you see that heat come around the corner, you just got to walk away. You're talking about having a heat-seeking detector on your house? Well, if everything around you is cold and a human is walking around that is close to 100 degrees, they're going to make hot spots. It's easy to to find humans. Okay. Um, And and the funny part is I get... um, Checked up. I get checked up on every five years because I used to have a top-secret clearance, right? So. Oh, well, in five years, it's going to be a little rough after this show. No, no. The, trust me. I'm on a watch list already. Yeah. Um, the first time it happened um, after I was married, my wife was freaking out. She goes, there's these guys sitting outside in a car. It's like, that's how they that's how they check up on you. It's not like they were putting listening devices in places like that. See, they don't care. Yeah. But, they just, they're not that sophisticated. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I'm not that big of a target, I would imagine. You're not a red <laughs> Retired and extremely dangerous. Uh, so, uh, I, I have a bone to pick with um, really the entire audience. This is going to be a little uncomfortable, uh, a little more uncomfortable than even that was. I'm going to be, mo- I'm going to make the audience more uncomfortable than anybody else. Now, you don't know what I'm going to talk about because you, you're so checked out that you you don't you don't check anything anymore. Do you, Harry? I don't even know what we're talking about. He says off social media, so he doesn't right. know anything about I'm on, on Facebook. Me- I'm on Discord. Right. I got on the Facebook. <laughs> I was I got on and checked messages. 
I just was very disappointed in the entire audience this weekend. Oh, I didn't get on this weekend. I don't think. Now, I I don't. I'm I'm a humble person. I think everybody that listens to this knows how humble I am. Um, so I'm not going to talk about myself. Uh, but Reinhold, could you explain the basically the dear leader character, but also dear leader himself? What, what the origin of it? Do you know it? Um. I remember. You're not going to do it, right? Let me do it. Either. Let me do it. So years ago, when Chris Galt uh, got uppity and I had to fire him, I made it clear to everybody in We Are Libertarians that I love everybody that participates in this. I love everybody that is a part of We Are Libertarians. But I am the boss. I am the dictator of this here uh, outfit, and uh, I will fire you. Everyone will be let go. What are you doing? Don't worry about what I'm doing. Are you launching secret codes for? He's just take. He took his he's wallet just, out. He's very, organizing his wallet. He, he's organizing his wallet. That is a great way to put it. He <laughs> is daintily organizing his wallet, and he was doing it quietly, as if not to make a sound with his leather wallet. See, this is why we have to have a conversation, audience. <clears throat> so, dear leader, and it kind of it started when I was with the Libertarian Party of Indiana. I was the executive director. Harry's password for Discord is eight zero three. Uh, so, I was introduced by one city councilor to another city councilor as the um, uh, uh, he's the president of all libertarians. And so, it, the, the the running joke kind of started in '09 that I was the president. And then once the podcast started and I started being bossy to everyone, it escalated to dear leader. And the memes over the years and the conversation has gotten to a point that is just ridiculous. Uh, and quite frankly, I sometimes worry about getting struck by lightning because um, it, it, it makes even my uh, egotistical self uncomfortable. Um, but Hody took, Hody took the, uh, the cake this week, and I'll explain why in a moment. But, you know, um, back off that mic for me. Thank you. Um, there you go. That perfect. Um, so I'm in a contest. I didn't want to be in this contest. I didn't want to be a part of this contest. I think it's silly too, but someone made some brackets of libertarians and they appointed me in number one seed, which rightly so I should be the number one seed in the millennials in the, in the millennial division. But you were the number two seed. Uh, I was the number one seed. No, I was one. I was number one. Don't argue with me. I was number one. Uh, we are number one. <laughs> and I was up against C. Michael Pickens, who frankly hates my guts and the feelings fairly mutual. Uh, and I handily beat him. Uh, I think it was 50 or 60 to nothing. Uh, trust me, Dennis, if I were the number two seed, I would remember because I would have been bitching about being the number two seed. I was the number one seed. Uh, and so... I then went on to face Caitlin Cloven uh, of Think the Think Liberty podcast, and uh, I should mention also check out Being Libertarian's new book, Igniting Liberty. Go check out their Facebook page. Uh, they are uh, they are a friend of the program. Um, Caitlin and I listen. I don't think Caitlin likes me very much. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. I've seen screenshots, and so I wanted to beat her, and it was not looking good. And it's your fault, everyone. Um, I was I was at some I was at certain points. It it, it was eighty twenty at one point. She you know she was sharing to the being libertarian page, which has like eight hundred thousand likes, 
and just would bury me. And so my little mite, I had to, with just my own Facebook pages, had to build it up to like 60-40. I closed the gap. And then at one point, we got up to like 50-50-52. I started winning. Yeah. And then I just said, you know, my own audience has betrayed me. You know, she'd shared it being libertarian. And then all of a sudden, it was just, you know, I would get buried again. And I said, is this the We Are Libertarians that, like, this is not We Are Libertarians. We do not get embarrassed in online polls. We win. That's what we do. And so I had to swallow my pride and say, my audience is letting me down. And I had to go to Liberty Memes. And I had to say, Dad, men, I need your help. I was there for you when you were in trouble. And he said, Chris, I know your audience has let you down. I know that Dear Leader is losing his power and it's waning. And it's very, it's very sad to watch a great figure start to fade away in this way. I will help you. And the Liberty Memes audience rode in and pushed me to victory. And what was the final total? It's like, I think I had like 55, 57. You got to turn. Yeah. It was like 57 and a half, I think. But. Yeah. What I saw in that poll was that 3,000 people voted. It, it ended up being five. 5,000. And, and then if you look at the other polls, right. they were all like 350, 500 votes. Right. And the, the page is Volunteer Madness LP Edition, so you can go vote for the third round and and uh, help me carry if the day. Comes, if they post it. Uh, it should <laughs> be coming around. <laughs> um but I just am disappointed in this audience that you are not in the Facebook group, that you're not in the Discord, that you're not on the email list, that you're not paying attention to what we're doing, because there's 10,000 of you listening. There's no reason I ever should have even doubted this audience. And I had to go to Liberty Memes and ask for help. And thank you, Liberty Memes, who is a Patreon sponsor. The Dad Men's, they are Patreon sponsors, as are our good friends at the Libertarian Coalition, uh, and Memerty Libs. So there's three Facebook pages you should follow and support. Intern Ed Brehob, Jason Doolittle, Christy Avery, and Craig DaCosta, all great patron supporters. Uh, welcome to Paul Jonathan Eads Jr. Welcome back. Um, you know, and uh, as well as the great Ryan Lindsay. We have a magazine coming out edited by Ryan Lindsay. So go look up WAL Reader on Twitter and Facebook. But uh, I'm just, I have to say to the audience, I need you to get it together for the next round. I think I'm up against Elaine Joan, and there's no reason that I should even struggle against anybody else, except maybe Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp's tough. But every other vote had maybe three, 400 votes, and we had 5,000. So I have faith that we can pull this out, but I need you guys there. So join the Facebook group, join the Discord, join... Twitter, follow me on Facebook, Instagram. follow the Instagram. The Instagram's almost a 10,000 likes because Stone's, Stone's posting so many great memes. Mm -hmm. uh, the Empress of Memes, she is uh, helping out with the Instagram now. We have so many good memes on Instagram. You need to go follow that. Um, we need to talk about putting together the meme database. We, we, we are working on that. Uh, if you want to learn how to meme, the Empress of Meme, it, it, we actually on our YouTube channel posted how to make memes where you can get templates how to do it so if you want to get on the now is the time to start organizing for the great meme war of 2020 we all know it's going to be brutal harry yes it's going to be it's going to be great it's going to be grueling and so you need to start sharpening your meme skills now and the empress of meme is uh teaching our audience how to do it um but you know so when you see that poll i need you to carry dear leader to victory because if i don't win this every single one of you 
all 10,000 listeners will owe me a public apology. And I want to single out Mike McFarland, who voted for Caitlin. Mike, a dedicated listener, voted for Caitlin, and he was at the movies last night, and he, he snapped me, and there was no one else in the movie theater, and I just said, oh, funny, Caitlin didn't show up since you voted for her. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he publicly apologized in the, uh, the group chat. But, uh, you know, I, I tried not to look, and this is me being serious now. I tried not to look to see who voted for her. Because I, I clicked on it and I saw a couple names. I was like, oh, that's really hurtful. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you know me, Harry. Like, I get my feelings hurt and then I get petty. Right. Yeah. Yeah, super petty. And I don't mind being fake petty like about Mike because Mike can take it. He's a troll. But like, I don't want to be real petty towards like Sam Goldstein who mm-hmm. voted for Caitlin and he shouldn't have. Wow. Yeah. Sam Goldstein. Wow. And then defended it too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Or Mark Claire. Let's talk about Mark <laughs> Claire. So this actually, I have some beef with Mark, and I need everyone to go tell Mark and his little group that I'm 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 upset about this, and we'll address his this on group. So we have the League of Liberty podcast for our Patreon subscri- subscribers, and we're going to address this the next episode. I've never had beef with Mark. Mark and Mark and I, are, of all the podcasters that I'm friends with, he's probably the one I thought I was coolest with. He voted for Caitlin, mm, and you know what, what? What hurts Reinhold? is that he went up against Caitlin. He lost yeah. to Caitlin, and I pulled out all the stops of the We Are Libertarians... Well, not all. Social, not all. You still got some in your back pocket. I have to leave some. I didn't call, <laughs> I didn't call Austin Peterson or Jason Stapleton. I wasn't that desperate yet. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I was like, hey, wall audience, you got to help Mark. It would be embarrassing. I like posted. I spammed for Mark Claire, and then he voted for Caitlin in that round. That hurt. That, that sounded like that would hurt. That was legitimately mad about it. Can I tell you the truth about something? Yeah. Uh, don't be too mad when I tell you this. Okay. You can't be mad. Uh, <laughs> I promise not to be mad. Okay. I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I do know that uh, I did have a uh, Jackie m- message me about something. What the heck is going on? I just kind of ignored it and kept going. Okay. So what, what what's going on again? Why it's, are we it's voting? A, it's a March what? Madness Libertarian. It's meant to bring thing. people together, and I'm ripping the movement apart. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, oh, it's oh. meant to be a fun. Oh, the usual fun thing. Right. It's brackets vote, yeah. of libertarians. The usual. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is neat. I'm taking a fun thing and being competitive about it and ruining it. Oh. And I'm about to destroy my good friend Elaine Joan. Oh, yeah, that's fun. And then Trisha Stewart, who's going to be here this Saturday, I, I hope I'm up against her in the finals because I will bear here. I'm going to take on every female libertarian, including C. Michael Pickens, and destroy all of them. All right. This all is right. how you create clicks inside the Libertarian Party. That's right. Ooh, right before an election year? Ooh. Yes. Good. Well. <laughs> I, I, I think there might be other issues that might be creating so are, those. So are you saying you didn't vote for me, Harry? Um, yeah. He didn't vote against you. That too. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. When I said I wasn't going to get mad, I was lying. <laughs> All right. Enough of this. I just didn't know what was going on. I was like, I get a message and I'm like, the heck? So, was so like, Jackie was messaging people? Yeah, for you. Yeah. And I was like, why is she messaging me? You know? I did I did genuinely. And I thought it was like another Jackie because like my other friend Jackie's like birthday. I was like, oh, yeah. so I'm trying to say happy birthday. And I didn't, so I didn't get her anything. Like, oh, it was, oh, it's other Jackie. So you got help from a couple people. Didn't you ask Rob Kendall for some help? 
Yeah, and Rob <laughs> Rob Kendall voted against me. And so Jared, I saw that. Jared Hall, who I believe is behind this whole bracket thing, created a, an online poll between me and Rob Kendall. And I'm beating him like 90 to 10. And I got his wife's vote. <laughs> That's good. That's excellent. So as it should be. Yep. And, uh, and she said, I was happy to vote for you, buddy. And I yelled friend zoned. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- it is funny. Like, here's the thing, Harry. Let me pull back the curtain a little bit. I did get a little mad at the co-hosts on Saturday night. Because the thing about the current crop of co-hosts that we have, okay, they're very smart. Mm-hmm. And they're very nice people, and they have a lot of good character. But I think I have done a poor job of community building. I don't feel that we have the camaraderie that we had maybe in 2016, for instance, or 2017. Correct. So what better way to build camaraderie than to treat them like you're Bobby Knight and they're uh, <laughs> Steve Alford and or who's the kid that he choked out? Um, so I got a little mad. Paul took the brunt of it. Poor Paul. Good old Paul. That's what he's there for. Because Paul, at one point I go, can some of you guys share this and pretend that you actually care about the brand? Damn. And you know what Paul's response was? Oh, yeah. Something spicy, right? Yeah. He goes... Well, I've told you people that you could re- reach out to, but if you hadn't pissed everybody off, then maybe they would have helped. Oh, and that's when the chair is thrown. And I, I turned. If you ever heard the Bobby Knight locker room rant, <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, Reinhold was in the chat. He heard. He heard my rant, and he didn't even hear it in the in the one of the, like in one of the chats when Paul said it. So was Paul really sick, or did, did he have black eye last week? <laughs> <laughs> this this was here's a real. Uh, this is me speaking to the wall co-host after Paul basically said, "Well, if you hadn't pissed everybody off, maybe we'd help you." And this is me talking to Paul after that. I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by you, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you fucking guys will run till you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and fucking tired of an 8-10 and 10 record. I'm fucking tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to fuck around this week. Now, you may be, but I'm not. Now, I'm going to fucking guarantee you that if we don't play up there Monday night, you ain't going to believe the next four fucking days. Now, I am not here to get my ass beat on Monday. Now, you better fucking understand that right now. This is absolute fucking bullshit. Now, I'll fucking run your ass right in the ground. I mean, I'll fucking run you. You'll think last night was a fucking picnic. I had to sit around for a fucking year with an 8 and 10 record in this fucking lane. And I mean, you will not put me in that fucking position again. Or you will goddamn pay for it like you can't fucking believe. Now you better get your head out of your ass. <laughs> oh, God. And, and, you, and what irritates me about that is that everybody gets so upset about it because he was... Pull your bike up a little bit for me. He was cussing at kids and all that. Right. Like, These are 19, 20-year-old <laughs> kids. They could be in the in, in war right now if it, it was a war going on at the moment. So, you know, it, well, there, I, there was a war going on at the moment. Oh, sorry. So oh, I, I'm, I'm... My first... Um, so I'm doing podcast consulting. I'm doing production 
for a podcast professionally for the first time. So my first gig, I've always helped people with podcasts, but like my first paid Thing. gig mm-hmm. is with a podcast called Leaders and Legends. And it's something that's really cool. It's basically about like, I think every libertarian should hear about it because we're basically talking to the, the insiders of Indianapolis. So how are the decisions to get Indianapolis to grow made? So we're talking to people who have been there from the the genesis of Indian O Place. Like mm-hmm. nobody went downtown oh, yeah. when Reinhold was a kid. Nope. Like even when I was a kid in the eighty, the only time we ever went downtown was to go see the Jerry Lewis Telethon and Clyde and Dion. Well, and like when I was growing up, everybody was going out to the suburbs. That's when right. Greenwood became a thing and Eastgate and right. Yep. You know that's everybody was making the suburb move. And getting out of the city. And so what did it take to get it to a city that could host the Super Bowl? And the answer is a lot of tax dollars. But you sort of hear the decisions that went into it. So it's really great. So if you do me a favor, make me look good. Go download that podcast. I think if you want to understand civics and local government and how decision makers actually make decisions and the local media, it's a great podcast. It's called Leaders and Legends. Instead of like most libertarians who they think how it should work. Right is how they want to approach it. Right. That's not how you do it. Exactly. You got to go the way it is. Right. And then fix it from there. So Tom Coverdale was one of the people that was interviewed and he played at IU and he, he was there the year that Knight got fired in 2000. You know, he knew who Knight was. It's like he knew he wanted to play for that kind of personality. And just like all the rest of our co-hosts, they knew what they were getting. They know they're getting an egomaniacal prick behind the scenes. I'm a very nice person on the podcast, but Reinhold, back me up. I'm a dick. Of course. In yeah. the in the in the group chats. And so anybody successful has to be. I know, just kind of I got in there and I went full Bobby Knight and I said, Paul, you will not put me in that fucking position again. I will not lose to Caitlin Cloven. You will get out there and man, it worked. Because all the co-hosts started sharing and then yeah. all the all the groups started sharing. Yeah. And then so sometimes you just have to be a little Bobby Knight when you're when you're leading a group. You lead a lot of people at work. Sometimes you gotta be a little Bobby Knight, Harry. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta throw the chair. You got it, yeah. Got to throw a chair, and got to throw. Well, just like when you go to like when you go to prison, or if you move into a bad neighborhood for the first time, you show them that you're crazier than them. Yeah, and you won't take it. When you go to prison, you do. People are like, "Mm." (laughs) oh yeah. I'm so glad you talked over that. (laughs) 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 Um, And so, really, what it comes down to is when you've got a poll where five thousand, I got fifty friend requests in like three days because of that, and so like people. We're going, what, who is Chris Spangle? What is We Are Libertarians? Yeah, and yeah. so people needed to go well, and comment and say, here's what We Are Libertarians is. Go listen to it. That's why I was kind of upset about the description. It was really pretty a shitty description, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the joke. If you're in, On in the, the joke. know, the joke's great. But, you know, it's like it's hit- such good advertising because you get 5,000 people in that poll voting. I bet you half of them didn't know anything about We Are Libertarians, and now they could have learned something. Yeah, K- Caitlin Cloven is the assistant social media director for Being Libertarian and hosts the Think Liberty podcast. She's dedicated the last two years and holds a position in Libertarian Party Minnesota. Chris Spangle, dear leader, needs no introduction. Off to the gulag for you. Mm-hmm. What is that shit? Yeah, it makes it sound like, you know, you're just a... Like if like if you wrote that, that right. was your description that you gave yourself or yeah. something, you know. It's so I need I need everybody to get their shit together for this next round because I will not sit on I will not not lose the I will not win this pot uh, I will not lose this. That's what I'm trying to say. You will not not win. IU always usually uh, 
made it into the you know you will not yeah they used to you will not believe the next fucking few days if we lose this poll audience (laughs) just saying you know like because before you know for new basketball used to be the joke yeah right (laughs) well when when everybody who ever played for bobby knight will defend him and say all the great things that he did for them Mm -hmm. you know yeah he was a little over the top in his uh, coaching style, but it was you know. Sometimes I think people need that. The the uh, sometimes does yeah. People need that. Like uh, look at uh, Chef Ramsay. Yeah, you know, what Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, yeah, everybody's yelling yeah. about Bob Knight. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay's out there doing way worse, and he's making money doing it. Um, that's where he, he should have won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see Bob Knight Cooking Channel or something? Bob no, Knight. this reality TV show. He goes yeah. takes bad struggling teams and just yells at. Them. Unfortunately, Bobby Knight has some dementia issues that are starting to pop yeah. up, which everybody in the media, like everybody kind of has known that for a few years, but it's just starting to kind of come out. And, and uh, but uh, so great, still has a great mind in a lot of ways. Um, the, the only one that isn't in trouble is Hody Johns. I need you all to understand how important Hody Johns is to me and we are libertarians. OK, Hody is carrying this thing right now. Harry is hosting a lot of dailies. He's hosting this great debate series. He's writing for the new upcoming magazine. He's doing show notes for next week when we preview the Democratic presidential candidates. The dude is just a workhorse. He's doing a great job. You know, you know. obviously, Reinhold, Sarah, Paul, you guys do a great job hosting dailies. Harry showing up is every Tuesday is a commitment. But Harry is killing it, or Hody is killing it right now. And I just want to say thank you to Hody publicly. But he really wins because he was the only one that gave Dear Leader the appropriate praise. Well, and what was that? What was the great line in his praise that really struck out to you? Um, Well, what I was struck by was um, diversity is not some accident, but it's also not something that can be forced. It has to be valued. So Hody basically spends two paragraphs talking about how great We Are Libertarians is how much fun we have talks about how his you know talks about you and tad you two going after each other and you know people who disagree with each other having a lot of these conversations and you know hody says wise wise mormon hody um diversity is not an accident liberty for all not just me and people like me but also those who are radically different than me it's a challenge left unmet by all except for those who put the proper priority of love over profit Hody says, Caitlin Cloven is a friend of mine, and I mean no slight to her. I don't have time for many podcasts, but I like to make time to listen to hers. That puts her on the rush Mount, Lord, uh, rush, uh, Mount Rushmore of Liberty. But Chris created the very mountain upon which such engravings are carved. This contest is between the best of humanity on one side and the best of the cosmos on the others. Chris Spangle, dear leader, my one regret is that I have a single vote that I can give you. Aww. That is poetry <laughs> and grade a ass kissing hody harry and, and then not knowing what a bot is or a, a, a sock account is uh <laughs> no one is a better fan of this show than christy avery mm-hmm. christy promotes us like nobody else mm-hmm. and i think she's listening in her hot tub right now probably in her hot tub right now she, she listens to every episode like three times Nobody is a bigger fan and promoter than than Christy Avery. But Hody just made me a mountain. (laughs) That's some great A ass kissing. Have you ever had your... Oh, the cosmos. The cosmos. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, Hody, I. Uh, all right, this has been probably unlistenable, but I've mm-hmm. I've had fun. Fuck you, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Sit on it and spin. Uh, but the reason we are all here is not to talk about me. It's to hear everybody else talk about you. That's right. Thank you for <laughs> figuring that. I Thank thought you. we were here about breakfast. Um, <laughs> I was promised breakfast. Uh, I, well, I, you keep, have I always ask for pizza and it never shows up. I, you know, that's a good idea. Honestly, I'm a little hungry. <laughs> Those are devil carbs. We can take a break in the middle. And- <laughs> no, no we problem. Let's just get this over. No one needs those Satan carbs. Um. All right. Uh, Christy says she is not in the hot tub. She's watching NCIS, so oh, I guess she's uh, not our biggest fan. I want to talk about Brexit. That's I don't Mark th- Harmon. I don't think we've ever done a proper show on Brexit, um, but we may have mentioned it here and there. Obviously... Uh, former co-host Greg Lins followed it a lot and always wanted to talk about it, but I didn't get it. Uh, so I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't get it. Uh, I don't think I realized what a monumental indicator of 2016 it would be and how complicated mm-hmm. and massive that, that really would be. So, um, uh, so I want to talk about Brexit. We Sam Schultz, our researcher, put together some amazing notes. So you can go and check out those notes in the description so you can kind of read along or maybe if you just kind of want to skim through and get, get the framework. But uh, thanks to Sam for putting together amazing notes. Um, I, All joking aside, I am fortunate to have so many great people who actually contribute their time to We're Libertarians, and, and Sam is one of those guys that just really works behind the scenes to make the show look good, to make me look good, and I appreciate it. Um, because Brexit is very confusing, Reinhold, and I don't get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so England wants to leave. Right. I get that. So Brexit, in short, is a referendum that happened that uh, basically the, the British want to leave the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the British. Some of the British, yes. Um, so it was Leave and Remain. There's a great movie from HBO st- starring ben- Benedict Cumberbatch um, on Brexit, which really captures, does a good job of kind of capturing it. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to count on you two to kind of stop me as we go through the notes and talk about it. And you're our color commentator, Reinhold. I know that uh, you know a lot about this stuff. And so feel free to interrupt me at any time. Okay. All right. Um, so stop right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, so what is Brexit and why is Brexit or why is uh, Britain leaving the EU? So Brexit is the word that is used for all uh, uh, the entire process of leaving the European Union and changing its relationship to the bloc on trade, security, and immigration. So Britain has basically been debating the pros and cons of membership in a European community from almost the idea that the, it was broached. And it held its first referendum on membership in 1975, less than three years after it joined. So it, a referendum to it, leave... Go ahead. And what's funny about that is that they joined in 73, but they tried to join in 63 and were denied. So when did the European Union start? So the European Union started as a concept... From Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said that they, after World War II, they needed a United States of Europe. And he was prime minister in the 50s. Right. In 1950, 
the first agreement happened between Belgium, France, I think West Germany, and a couple of other countries. I don't remember what they are right now off the top of my head. Luxembourg. But it was, yeah, Luxembourg <laughs> was one of them. But it wasn't um, in Belgium. I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, England wasn't part of it at the time. Uh, but it was more, it was, it was focused around trade between coal and uh, steel. So how they can get coal and steel back and forth so they didn't have to fight these wars over these resources anymore. Um, so that kind of started it in 50, 51, 50 or 51 when that was signed. And then it came, it turned into the European Commission, um, well, the ECC, then it just shortened to EC. And then that turned into eventually in 93 to the EU. Um, in between, in that time, they started, people started petitioning to join this collection. And that's when England tr- tried to join in 63 were denied in 67 they were denied and then finally 73 they were admitted okay. all right so <laughs> and then and then two years i mean they were complaining back then about we don't want to give up our sovereignty and so there was a lot of discussion about what's this european union going to be how is it going to take away our sovereignty and they would say and the european union people were saying this is just trade agreements mm-hmm. this is just about free movement between the countries Correct. you know that sort of thing this isn't taking away your sovereignty this isn't um replacing your rules this is just us having a few agreements was right it, was it though we'd never ha- we'd never have an army they said at first and <laughs> and then as time marches on those things start coming in play. It's it's very interesting to watch this and then go back and read how we kind of went from a similar situation with the Articles of Confederation into our country and how Madison wanted when he when Madison came up with the Constitution, he wanted to have the he he saw that the problem with the Articles of Confederation was that sovereignty was held by the states. Mm-hmm. He wanted to put together a union where the sovereignty was centrally located at. Very limited in what they could do, but the ultimate arbitrator, the ultimate power would be in Washington. Mm-hmm. Not Washington time, but you know, it, at centrally located. And he didn't get his wish when, when it all came, said none. That's why he worked with Hamilton, because they kind of had shared goals. They wanted th- that to be the central part. But he always felt that it should be very limited, whereas Hamilton thought it should be you know, full right. run the gamut type thing. That's why after it was passed, they immediately became enemies. Right. Because he saw Hamilton trying to do all the stuff, and he said, no, that's not what we wanted. But the document was really more of a hybrid to say, okay, uh, for some things, it's sovereignty is going to be centrally, but for other things, sovereignty is going to be the states. And that's kind of how they wanted to play it. But he always felt that you couldn't have that situation exist. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to do the same thing in the European Union. When when Churchill said the United States of Europe, he was trying to recreate what the United States of America had, <laughs> and that's kind of where that the mindset started. But similar to what happened here in the United States, more and more things start going to that central location. They start amassing more and more power, right? To the point where now you've got uh, these people telling uh, companies. How many feathers can be in a pillow? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, those, those are the types of levels of regulations they were doing. The chocolate thing is a big deal. Yeah, that the was in the notes. It's, all that stuff happened. And then, so there was, there's always been a fight against, we shouldn't be in the union, we should be in the union, that sort of thing. But then the immigration thing started happening. They got pushed mm-hmm. on some immigration stuff. And that's when 
it kind of bubbled up to the top because right. then now you have the nationalists going, we don't we don't want this immigration coming in. It's ruining our country. So that kind of took it from a 40-40 in between kind of thing to push it over the top now. Right. Right. <clears throat> Go ahead, Harry. Because, yeah, because it did start on that trade that everything, they started getting into the the daily lives and the like, rules of everything that, that quote unquote, could be traveled through mm-hmm. like the farming positions a lot of it doing on what you pay to the eu or what you did they subsidize farming lands mm-hmm. because how land is in europe so if you had more farming lands you would pay a certain amount you had a tax break on it well for to an island nation you kind of get screwed over on some stuff like that right you know uh but the immigration thing like uh, uh, uh Ryan was talking about that was freak that was it was been bubbling up for like for, for years in Spain and France. They were just people in England was watching happen and they're like, okay, that's there. That's not here yet. And then it just started to coming up. And then the caravans, like we, uh, like the United States, we're talking about the caravans. Well, that was happening in Europe well before. And they would march through through the European countries and stop finally when they get to Germany and France and uh, Luxembourg and England. They yeah, pass these other EU countries, right? And that's what scares a lot of people about the caravans coming from Central America is they think it's going to be the same type of situation, <laughs> right? Which, right. Yeah. Which it's just not. Yeah, it's and not. so we'll talk a little bit. But so let's yeah, keep... and that, that's where the irrational fear of the United States caravans come from, right? It's it, and a lot of it is conservative media types, or you know the the right. The, and, and, and there's legitimate of... problems in France and and immigrants, yes. but that isn't the same as in America, for instance. Right, there's problems there, but there's also the problem with the fact that for the most part, European countries have never been very well integrated, like United States has. Yes, so you have now this integration happening. And a lot of resistance from the people who live there say, okay, I'm not, I don't want them living in my neighborhoods. I don't want them working at my uh, companies Mm -hmm. and things like that. So now these people are coming in. They're not being allowed to join in and go into the other little cities. So they kind of get put into their own little communities. And now you're sitting with balkanization inside the countries because of that fear. Well, West, West, uh, East Germany is a great example of this where you have people who are, are still very poor because they were in East Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they were, they didn't have that 50, 75 year head start that the West Germany had. Yeah. And so there's limited resources because they're all on benefits and they're fighting for scraps. And then mm-hmm. you import 2 million immigrants and then they end up in the same mm-hmm. geographical areas. The people who are fighting for scraps and they mm-hmm. go, these people don't speak the same language as me. They don't have the same customs and the values that I have. They're and then different. you're going to make me compete yeah. for resources. And then you wonder why there's a, a populist revolt. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cause, yeah, cause uh, what Ryan was talking about is that, yeah, Europe has been very like isolated from the whole immigration thing. Right. For the longest time they did the immigrating. They went to places, right. not places came to them, you know, and that yeah. is what's, but the, that's but one of the benefits that the EU did allow from them it, uh, because of their lags mo- moving around immigration policy inside the European Union is that you can make all your money in London, leave London, go somewhere where it's at lower cost living when you go to retire. Right. It's you know it's that whole thing of or do the same thing inside the EU to go somewhere else to for, for vacation. You know, right. it'd be the same way if, you know, cert- how certain parts of Florida are really, really cheap to go vacation at. You know, you leave your high area and you go down to Florida and have fun on the beach. Yeah. Hopefully not get stabbed in those areas because it's Florida. And then there's there's all these tax implications, too, because of the free movement, because people are, you know, 
claiming residence in certain areas and still living in other areas, mm-hmm. saying they were visiting because they wanted a lower tax rate. So that caused problems too. I mean, the, to the point where it was like the basis of a, a farce play I, I saw years ago was the whole point was that they were hiding out from the inland revenue and they were sneaking no. back into the house. Yeah. So, which is like, cause that's what happened in France a few years ago. They raised the um, tax rate on like some of like the, their one percenters. Mm-hmm. They just left. Yeah. And then, and, and, the the yellow vest stuff kind of plays into that because we're kind of going a little off topic, but no, never. it it kind of plays a little bit into that because they're upset, and I don't think they really understand why they're upset for the most part. They just know that they're getting screwed and they're yelling about it, and yeah. not understanding that they've kind of put themselves in that position <laughs> for decisions made the last twenty or thirty years. So exactly. let's circle back to the notes. Uh, uh, what you're saying because France should set itself up until it should be this huge massive economic power and right. we should be like the thing of the world that's showing people like this is how you go green this is how you be good and they don't screwed it all up they don't screw no. the pooch kind of like Venezuela they screwed the pooch yeah you don't have enough of that audio clip I do because uh, um, I was talking about the sovereignty issue and I think mm-hmm. that plays into the sovereignty because they said for sh- they said we we aren't trying to take over your sovereignty we're not going to have a centralized um, army. We're not. Mm. We're not doing any of that. That's what they said tw- so let 10, me, 20 years ago. Let me pause you there because I want to kind of get back to the notes because Sam does a great. We're going to get to You're sovereignty right. in just right. one They're moment. Great notes. Sam. Sam gives us a good structure that we yep. ought to follow here. <laughs> uh, all that was very good, but let me just say that a referendum was held on June twenty third, twenty sixteen, to decide whether the UK should leave or remain in the EU. To leave the EU won by 51.9% to 48.1%. The referendum turnout was 71.8% with more than 30 million people voting. So that's why we're having this conversation. They ended up winning. And a lot of what that movie, which I would highly recommend you watch, um, was how did did the Leavers, how how did Leave EU win? Mm-hmm. When everybody thought that Remain was going to win, it was a slam dunk. All the political establishment was there. David Cameron had to resign because he was a Remainer. Ironically, the the person who's trying to lead Britain out of out of the EU currently, Theresa May, was a was a Remainer as well. And so you had a lot of people who were very populist who led the 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 Leave movement. And uh, they weaponized, quote unquote, uh, social media in a way to organize people. But it was because of very sounds, real feelings. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And so it was the same. It was 2016. Was it, it was 2016. Yeah. Just yeah. six months before. And yeah. still our media and many of us, including myself, didn't see it. You know, mm-hmm. kudos to Greg Lenz for saying this no. is a sign that Trump's going to win. Like you need to pay. T- mm-hmm. So. Um, so. So what are some of the reasons that people decided to leave the EU? First is economics, and opponents of the EU argues that it is a dysfunctional economic entity that is fundamentally protectionist and creates unnecessary regulation on businesses and consumers. The customs union, to which all EU members belong, imposes more than 13,000 tariffs on imported goods, and tariffs are nothing more than a tax. And so opponents believe that the European Union won't throw up trade barriers against Britain upon exit, which will allow them to have positive trade relations without being beholden to EU regulations. So um, basically, oh, if we leave the EU, there's not going to be those trade barriers. People are not going to want to cut off Britain. So, for example, the UK is Germany's third most important export target. 
Uh, the last thing Germany wants is a trade war with Britain. London is also a major financial center, with gives, which gives the UK major economic clout in preventing the rest of Europe from locking the UK out of economic relations. So, you know, if we leave the EU, we're not going to end up in trade wars. We're not going to be locked out of banking and the the artificial uh, um, constructs of tariffs and everything else just restricts free trade and we need to be freer in our trade. Uh, and so that's why a lot of people were levers. So any, any comment on the economic portion of that? Well, I mean, I think that was a little naive of them mm-hmm. because even though there are so many tariffs, it's supposed to, there was supposed to be uh, a, a lessening of tariffs right. with the European union. And then somehow it got worse, but um interesting what happened is that they've been trying for two years now to negotiate those deals mm-hmm. um, upon leaving. They could have left immediately and just been, you know, whatever the world trade organization will take care of it. Uh, but they, but they tried to work out these deals with the European union, European <laughs> union saying, no, we're going to, we're going to screw you <laughs> for leaving. Magic bullet. <laughs> and this is how we're going to screw you. And you better, you know, come up with something better or we're going to really give it to you. Um, so, that was that was naive in, on their part, but I mean, I can see what they were thinking was that if we're not in the EU, we're not having to deal with those tariffs, then maybe we could trade with other people and get better deals that way because mm-hmm. we're not we're not confined to these rules that we're getting told how we have to handle our trade with other people. Harry just found one of my uh, hard clay goose pellets. There's a there's a goose out there trying to nest. And she just doesn't get the memo. You need to move along, honey. (laughs) Uh, Sovereignty is the other reason that people voted for leave. There is growing financial, there is growing distrust of multinational financial trade and defense organizations created after World War II, including the EU, the IMF, and NATO. People who oppose the EU believe that the EU and other similar organizations take control away from individual nations and try to apply the same laws and regulations to people in countries with differing interests and values. Excuse me. That's what uh, coffee's for. I know. The EU attempts to retain nationality as a cultural right with intrinsic value, but deprives individual nations of power and to, to make many of the decisions. So even though you say you're a sovereign nation, you're bound by many of the EU regulations. Um, basically, the same argument is used for getting rid of the EU and other multinational organizations that libertarians use against the federal government of an individual country. You know, the federal government of the United States and statism and states, basically, Um, you know, the states, they um, they're overruled by the federal government. So sovereignty does play a key reason why people left or wanted to leave. So uh, I know you have some thoughts on sovereignty. Well, yeah, that's that's well. And one thing that kind of worries me about all this is that I understand the concept of we want to make sure we retain our sovereignty. But when you start getting into everything's globalists and the globalists are doing this and the globalists are doing that, it's just like you're you're just falling into the propaganda on that end too. So just because there was a great meme where it says just because I don't want their globalism doesn't mean I want your nationalism. Right. right? So mm-hmm. there's there's a fine line. You have to deal with these people and you're 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 England, your trade partners are in the European Union. You're gonna have to deal with them. Right. Right. You know, so you're still going to have to have deals between back and forth, and there's still going to be claims of sovereignty rules. But it it 
is an issue because the European Union is slowly and surely trying to take away sovereignty mm-hmm. from all of its member states. Because they have to. And if you play the clip, right, this is the good time because this is a the, – the Belgium representative to the EU making a statement. Hold on, let me play the clip. It's only 20 seconds. And that is the real problem, colleagues. Why there is such a problem in this crisis? Because member states are reluctant to transfer new sovereignty and powers to the European Union. And we all know that the only way out of this crisis is a new transfer of powers to the European Union and to the European institutions. Sacre bleu! (laughs) Racist. But but they're, 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 they're to the point now where they're actually admitting it. That that's what they want. I mean, it's what they've wanted for years and years and years, but this is what they finally admitted. And they're not going to let – they're doing everything they can to try and prevent this Brexit from happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the delays and trying to get a deal. You know, you mentioned May as a, as a remainer. Yeah. She's not trying that hard. I mean, she's right. trying to make this last as long as she's asking for more extensions. She's she, trying to, she's in a, and, and now there's protests going on and people saying, we done polls and we found out that the majority of people want to stay. So we should have a new referendum. Right. And it's like, it's kind of what they did to Ireland back when that whole thing happened. Ireland said, no, they didn't want to go. And then the European Union said, oh, we're going we're gonna to forget that first vote. You have another one. Right. And then that one didn't. Is we'll have another one. And finally, that one worked. And they're like, okay, good. We're done. Right. Um, so <clears throat> let's move on to the next big hot button on why um, people wanted to leave Brexit. Immigration. Uh, freedom of movement allows citizens of the EU to move, live in, and in certain circumstances, access the welfare system of the EU country to which they have moved. Freedom of movement is on the top of the founding principles of the EU. Um, The refugee crisis was a major trigger for many Brexit supporters. EU leaders argue that aiding refugees was a moral obligation, but EU opponents saw immigration as a national issue as it affected the internal life of the country. Mm -hmm. And so between 93 and 2014, the foreign-born population in the UK more than doubled from 3.8 million to 8.3 million. And uh, the, the chart shows... Uh, an increased trend in uh, now obviously you can't see the chart but it is a big spike in terms of immigrants Um, it it also you can see this in the show notes the chart explains a key reason why this spike happened the chart shows that when the new countries when new countries joined the EU which gave people from those countries new rights to move to the UK immigration increased most of these countries to the so-called EU-8 and EU-2 had previously been part of the Eastern Bloc and thus were considerably poorer than the UK. So when they joined the EU, a lot of their citizens went to other more prosperous EU countries looking for work, including Britain. So that constricts the uh, available work. Yeah, when when they were doing when the EU was building and they were letting members in, it was like one here, two here, something like that. And then once the wall fell and the Eastern Bloc countries wanted to come over, there was like the largest increase in membership. Right. Like a dozen countries all at once. And then they flooded out of where they were at because it was, you know, how many years of oppression did they have to live through? They wanted out. Right. They wanted out, wanted to move, get, you know. That was probably the beginning of all of that. Yeah. Um, So... Immigration picked up in 2004 when the EU-8 joined the EU and remained high afterward Poland, an EU-8 country, 
is now the second largest source of immigrants to the UK. So a lot of people think, oh, well, it's the Africans or the Syrians. It's, it's Eastern Europeans. And 77% of Brits believe that immigration levels should be reduced. Um, the final reason why people were for leaving uh, the European Union was animosity towards the political elite. The political establishment in Britain endorsed remaining in the EU, including leaders in both major parties, conservative and labor parties. The establishment parties told voters that Brexit would hurt financial markets, but they failed to notice how much legitimacy they'd lost since the 2008 recession. Brexit was a vote against the British and European elite. Voters were tired of politicians and businesses leaders, quote, controlling the system. This is similar to what brought Donald Trump around. And you see in, a, in an amazing scene in that movie, um, a, a polling group. And uh, Craig, I forget who is that, the head remainer who kind of organized it. I've got, I've got his book about kind of being on the inside of it. Um, he basically is leading this. They're having a polling done. And the guy, <laughs> uh, he's just not getting the responses that he wants. It's very clear in the focus group as they're testing some of their messaging that they're going to lose and that people are pissed. And so he runs in and I wonder if I can find the clip really quickly because it just illustrates in two minutes exactly what was what was happening in England at that particular time. Just that anger at the elites. Yeah, it was part of, yeah, as far as the um, the recession, 2008, mm-hmm. remember... Europe started trying to bail out certain countries that were getting hit harder. So then Greece is there. Correct. Greece is having horrible issues, and they're getting ready to just bankrupt themselves. Mm -hmm. So other countries were being tasked with keeping them afloat, which is taking money out of all of these other countries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The pigs. uh, What is it? What is the pigs? Uh, Poland, Italy, Greece, Spain. Yeah. yeah, the pig company. I mean, think of, think of how it was bad here in 08, but remember in Greece when they took a haircut and took 10, 10 or 20% out of everybody's bank accounts? Right, right. It's, their bank accounts. Their bank yeah. accounts. Without asking, with like, no warning. Yeah. Your savings account, your yeah. checking account just has ne- 10% less money. The next money. day, my stuff would be out of the bank. Right, yeah. and so they had bank runs yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Uh, so let me play this scene because I think it just, it, it captures exactly what was going on. In that Craig Ross, I think it's Craig Ross. He was running the the focus. He was running the the Remain campaign, and he just no no no. If I explain this to you a little more, you'll get it. Yeah yeah, but come on, come on. Hospitals would totally collapse without migrant workers. Then give those jobs to British workers. Tell them that unemployment for British born is dropping. I won't say that. But the argument that, that migrants bring more in taxes than they take out in services. Yes, good. Now follow up. How much of their wages are they sending home? Out the country. She's what? just said they pay more in taxes. I'm going again. Wait, what? No, that breaks the whole. She's not testing our argument. Okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sorry. The hard facts, right? The Treasury receives a net benefit of £20 billion a year from EU workers paying into the system, growing the economy. That's after using public services. So they are paying for, for more care, more teachers, more... That's not a good thing. Yes, no one's saying that's not... I'm sorry, I think how much are we paying to be over there? Yeah? 350 million. Okay. okay. So have none of you heard our messages on 
that £350 million is a lie. You would say that. No, it does not exist. It has never existed. A cheque for that amount has never been signed. We will not get it if we leave. What will happen is that our our, our currency will collapse and the economy will contract. How do you know that? You lot get things wrong all the time. I don't know why we pay anything. To be a member of the single largest trading bloc in the entire world. But what benefit am I seeing from that where I'm from? I'd rather go on the NHS like they're saying. Oh, you do realise. This is, uh, yeah, bad. People making these promises, people that you have never heard of, hmm? Dominic Cummings... That they're not elected, they're not going to form a government, despite having made billions of pretend spending promises post-Brexit, that they have no power or responsibility to see any of it through. Okay, we could take a little break. Or, or Aaron Banks and his diamond mine in South Africa, or Nigel Farage, the old stockbroker, Boris Johnson, Jacob Rees-Mogg, yeah? They're going to be fine, aren't they? This is just a game to them, a, a debating society. But... The risk to you and your children. There's no risk. Come to where I'm from. There's nothing to lose. We've got something to lose. Our age. You lot have had your lives. You've, You've had, had your jobs and your homes you and things. It doesn't matter to you life. yet. Take a risk. Sod it. Thank you very much. I've lost right. everything. Because you are nervous about people with a different colour skin and a different colour oh, Thank you very much. Sick of being called that. What did I call you? What did I no, say? You know what you were calling me. No, you know what you were calling me. I don't. Racist. 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 When That's what? You were saying that. She's right. All right. It's Right, it's true. We can't say nothing now without that coming up. Oh, and that's Obviously not a good way for a focus group to end is one of the participants sobbing and he just looks white because that's when he goes, I don't think I realize the depth because that's a very powerful scene. Like you listen to that and you go, Ooh, that actress should get some (laughs) award because I'm just watching that again. And like, I start to tear up a little because I'm like, I feel her emotion, man. And I think so many um, Americans feel that. That's why they voted for Trump. They still feel that way. Yeah, you know, I'm tired of being called racist. I'm tired of like, mm-hmm. y- you know, the 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 cartoonist. There's some cartoonist now that some magazine, the Nylon magazine, like he made a pro-life tweet, and so now these they're trying to destroy the guy's career. Even though none of his cartoons are about being pro-life, it's just he's he's a heretic because he, he doesn't yeah, he doesn't buy in. Orson Scott Card, too. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you just go. I'm tired of being called racist. I'm tired of being told to shut up. I'm tired of being nothing. I'm tired of to- being told I know nothing. I'm sick of it. And so I-, I think that animosity towards the political elites where you're here to listen to me and then you run in the room and tell me the facts because you're too stupid to get it. Mm-hmm. You just go, all right. Mm. And then even now, we told you to leave. Mm-hmm. 
and now you want to do another referendum? No, we told you to leave. There is no another. There is not another referendum. We told you to leave. like. So and on the other side, though, they're thinking, well, we just assumed we were going to be remain. So a lot of us didn't show up and vote. If we had known it was going to be that close, we would have done it, and right. we would have been the other way. So let us have a do-over, just like they wanted to have for the Hillary thing and, right. and Trump, yeah. because a lot of the Hillary people was like, "Well, I'm not going to bother. I mean, she's going to win. It's oh, it's in the bag, right?" So they claim that that's why they lost. And it's like right. you're not getting it. Fear like that and feeling put upon and downtrodden and it's. It's a mindset that people get in and fall into, and it's very understandable, but it's also something used to be to preyed upon mm-hmm. for political re- yeah. political gain. Um, and knowing how to tap into that is how people start these populist movements. Right. And it's what, that's what Trump's done. That's what the remain it's, – it's going on everywhere now. Yeah. Any thoughts here? If – because this when it can people's minds change and let them vote back to remain can the remainders be allowed the vote for that sure i think so you can change your mind but i also think it's you know it's i i think that they should be allowed to leave they should they should be forced to leave because that's what they voted for correct yeah and if they want to apply back in and have a referendum say can we ask to come back in then they do that correct but it's going to screw them over if they do yeah (laughs) yes they're going to get a good deal i do think it's also goofy that they are trying to do all this in such a quick like either do that they should have either did that quick break right quickly as possible as just said like they felt the pain or understand like this is going to take a decade I, because you're taking, you know, all uh, people who are used to being like masters of their domain now having to deal with somebody, right? Like, no, no, no. What we say, go. Oh, yeah, that used to be that way. Yeah, so there's so much intertwining going on in there that if you don't do the hard break and let and let that and then then from that let the WTO rules take over and then start renegotiating, then you have no position of power, right? And that's what they've done. They've they've been negotiating for two years with no position of power to the EU, mm -hmm. and the EU is not giving them anything. They're not budging because they know well. They know that they can get them to vote back, go back in. But the thing is, the EU can't. That's the goal. If it looks like you can take your ball and leave the EU before it sinks. That's what everyone's going to do. But it, nobody else is leaving. And, the, and most of even them, Scotland doesn't want to leave. They're uh, ready to leave the United Kingdom over it to, to remain in the EU. Yeah, well, they're uh, <laughs> too bad. They voted the wrong way. Scotland's Sorry. always looking to mess. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, like the, the rest of them can't leave. Only person that could leave is Germany. But if England leaves before Germany left the table, Germany's stuck there holding the bill for everything. Yeah. Yeah, well, Germany's one of the main beneficiaries of it anyway right germany and france are the ones that uh, that really come out big in in this whole deal when mm-hmm. europe kind of yeah england kind of gets kind of screwed right because of the whole farmland crap mm-hmm. that's so how long do we have before we start another france united, united kingdom war america america <laughs> first off if, you know, uh, i mean this, this is gonna boil over if they don't i mean the, the reason for the eu was to stop all the european wars wasn't it Correct. So well, if that falls apart, to be perfectly honest, England should do the ultimate fu and just become the fifty-first state. And well, uh, I think, <laughs> I think, I think niece, I think this this episode. If you didn't listen to the episode with niece where we talked about the the shooting and immigration and or migration, like I think he he explained the fear right. 
of just demographics in these countries, you know, where if you're Luxembourg and the birth rate of people from Africa, for instance, your your entire continent in 200 years is going to be swallowed up by Asia and Africa. Correct. And uh, th- that that is used to breed a lot of fear in a lot of people. And people don't think like, oh, I'll have been dead for 150 years. They think, well, obviously I'm going to, you know, my great-great-grandson will be the next Winston Churchill, and so I need to do, you know, like people don't realize that, you know, we're all fairly meaningless. Well, and, that. and that's the thing, Grand too, is most things, people but. won't vote for um, – change and upheaval like that right it takes a lot to get somebody to vote that way because people want to be able to wake up the day after election still have their jobs still have you know, everything's still good that the 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 traffic lights work the sewers work the water's still running they want all that stuff they, they want that stability mm-hmm. yeah and for somebody to vote for a change like that that means they have to have something that's pushed them over that fear yeah so they've got another fear that's pushing over the top of it hmm. Um, and that's and that's how that happens because most times people aren't going to re- to do that kind of revolt. So it's yeah. got to be it's got to be something big to do that. So that's how they've tapped into it. Can I, I'd like to also point out the majority of the whole problem of this whole Brexit thing is governments, you know, because the businesses they still just want to trade and do money. The problem is it, the, the the biggest problem is all of this is governments where they want to let this truck who on Tuesday can come over here all at once, but on Wednesday no, it must go through customs now and be taxed differently now. Because yeah. magic time and magic and no longer comes from this magic stamp on it now. That's that's what we're discussing. That's the issue. Magic. Just Freaking like, magic. Just like the avocados. Yes. Magic. Is the magic avocado. My magic tup- tupachico. Magic. <laughs> they put a magic sticker on it because it comes from this, this stupid land of the stupid union jacks. It's the same with somebody being a illegal immigrant or not. That's a magic right, stamp. Yeah. Magic, magic stamp, magic land, magic line. So, magic so you, you have been ordained. You are not. Right. You're not worthy. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, yeah. Arbiter. So let me kind of move us forward. Let me jump back and to move us forward. But let me. You know, so we explain what the European Union is. It's 28 countries, um, political and economic union, and Britain is 12.5 percent of the budget essentially, and the EU spends its money on research and training to boost growth, agriculture funds for farms, support for poor regions. Uh, rural development and fisheries administration, uh, EU as a global player in development aid and security and border controls. Um, the biggest expense is $325 billion support for poor regions. And number two is agriculture. And number three is research uh, to boost uh, the, the sector. And so what are some of the relationships between the UK and the EU that led to Brexit? So the UK joined the EEC in 1973. As we mentioned before, that's the European Economic Community, the predecessor of the EU. And in they joined in 73, but in 75, it held a referendum on the question, do you think the UK should stay in the European community, a.k.a. the common market? And 67% said yes, um, and that included most of the UK's administrative counties. So um, the Labour Party time at the split uh, and the pro-Europe wing splitting from the rest of the party formed the Social Democratic Party, so it was controversial enough to form a new party at the time. 
uh, is really the, the point there. And so tensions between the EEC and the UK exploded in 84 when the conservative prime minister, Margaret Thatcher, talked tough in order to resume, reduce British payments to the EEC budget. So at the time, the UK was the third poorest nation in the community, and it was paying a lot more into the budget than other nations due to its relative lack of farms. And so farm subsidies then made up of 70% of the EEC expenditure. And so the rebate, quote-unquote, that Thatcher negotiated remains in place today and reduced Britain's contributions to the budget from more than 20% in the 80s to 12% today. And now pro-EU minister Tony Blair worked to rebuild relations with the rest of the EU upon his election in 97. Um, However, in the midst of the mad cow scare of the late 90s, the EU imposed British beef bans, and the ban was listed in 99 after tough restrictions, but it took a big hit. Um, kept France kept its ban in place for a long time. And so that started some anti-sentiment. If you're not going to buy our beef, if you're going to you know, market us as dangerous, then screw you. So in 2000, after a 27-year-long battle with the rest of the EU, British chocolate could finally be sold in the rest of Europe. Pursuits in France, Belgium, Spain, and Italy had argued that only cocoa butter and not vegetable oil should be made when using chocolate. Uh, so France, Belgium, Spain, and Italy were protecting their, their own interest in terms of chocolate making. They also thought British-made chocolate, including popular brands like Mars, Kit Kats, Cadbury's, had far too much milk and wanted it to be labeled as household milk chocolate, chocolate substitute, or vegetated. I don't think that's how you pronounce that, but close enough. Um, And so in 2011, David Cameron became the first prime minister to veto an EU treaty and in 2013 promised to renegotiate membership in the EU if his conservative party won a majority in the next election. Against the backdrop of economic unrest in the Eurozone and an ongoing migrant crisis, remember this is not too far off from the uh, Grecian meltdown, Support for British exit from the EU grew. And after winning re-election in 2015, Cameron went to work renegotiating the UK-EU relationship, including changes in migrant welfare payments, financial safeguards, and easier ways for Britain to block EU regulations. These negotiations eventually led to the referendum that created Brexit. So what are the ramifications and why is Brexit such a big deal? Europe is Britain's most important export market and the biggest source of foreign investment. Being in the bloc has helped London cement its position as a global financial center. Mm -hmm. Since the vote, major businesses have announced or threatened to leave the UK after it leaves the EU. Airbus, which employs 14,000 people and supports more than 100,000 other jobs, said it could relocate if a no-deal Brexit occurs. The UK government also expects the country's economy to grow anywhere from 4 to 9% less than it would have inside the bloc over the next 15 years, depending on how it leaves. So 4 to 9% slowdown in economic growth. So where are we at now? What is happening? Since the 2016 vote, negotiations between the UK and the EU on withdrawal agreement have taken place. The withdrawal agreement covers some of these key points. How much money the UK will have to pay the EU in order to break the partnership? So they'll have to pay the EU to leave. What will happen to UK citizens living elsewhere in the EU? And equally, what will happen to EU citizens living in the UK? How to avoid a return of a physical border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland when it becomes the frontier between the UK and the EU? 
There's already been the rebirth re, uh, of the IRA, for instance. I think it was the London Airport recently had a scare. Um, it, if you don't understand the IRA, just look up the Wikipedia. Like we were, we were kids, but there were mass terrorists. Like Ireland was bombing Dublin. Like I, like Ireland was bombing London. Like there were massive terrorist attacks in the eighties and nineties. Even with the IRA, there was peace, and now we're looking at a prospect where Irish terrorists are are back in Britain. Correct. Yeah, in the nineties, our terrorists were white. It was <laughs> right, right. Um, and they're like yeah, Michael Connor. Yeah. Michael Connolly. What's the movie with uh, mm-hmm. the, the the Taken guy? Yeah, and then yeah, because all the movies were like the guys yeah, who decent. were yeah, have, yeah, yeah, having all the guns and stuff coming into America. They were you know they were all Irish. You know, like getting all the bombs. All these other characters that got set up in the early aughts are like, why do these you know people with Irish accents have all these you know experience with bombs and guns? IRA. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of mob stuff on the East Coast, too, that was kind of related to all that. Right. Yep. Uh, members of Parliament, otherwise known as MPs, and if you've never seen Mr. Speaker, if you've never seen uh, Parliament Time, it's it's my favorite thing. When it comes yeah. on on Twitter, I see it. I would turn it on and we watch it at work, and Jess Alsman and I sit there and laugh. European, I, I wish our <laughs> Senate and House worked that way i'm so mad that the speaker of the british house is reti- having to retire soon because his voice is so amazing it was like margaret thatcher it's the best voice ever um members of parliament voted against the withdrawal agreement three different times uh oh i should say there's a transition period has been agreed to allow the uk and wu to agree on a free trade deal and to give businesses time to adjust And so even if the withdrawal agreement passes, there will be no major changes between them and December 31st, 2020. So Parliament has voted against the withdrawal agreement three times. Poor Theresa May has has drawn up an agreement and brought an agreement to the table three times. It's been voted against. She has the most miserable job on the planet, far worse than uh, Donald Trump's personal servant. Because she keeps bringing the same awful deal. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and then she doesn't want to leave. But... Well, beyond, she, beyond that, she's oh, she's only getting what she can, right? And it's just, you know, it's just a horrible, what, horrible situation. So they're trying to do it the way they're doing it. Imagine that Donald Trump were trying to enact a deal where Indiana is going to leave the union. Woohoo! And so, right, and so Indiana has to set up all these new, you know, we're leaving the confederation, basically, of states, and so we need to establish here in Indiana and the United States, how are we going to trade? How do people cross the border? Are, you know, and, and so there's, how do people who were Illinoisans, how are, how are they going to cross the border? So there's all... build a wall. Right. And so every time Indiana and Donald Trump feel that they have figured out a good deal they take it to parliament led by nancy pelosi and nancy pelosi for political reasons sinks it because it embarrasses Theresa may and they have a better chance of winning uh, the presidency the next time around and so indiana and, and reversing this. right and so you you have the the uh like Harry said, I mean, the EU, the French, you know, when Lisa uh, or Theresa May went to meet um, Merkel today, she wasn't even greeted. Uh, 
uh, Macron was basically taking a hard line against her as well. She's getting no help from the EU. She's getting no help from the, the opposition party. And all the sharks in her own party are starting to circle. If you've ever watched the original British House of Cards, which you should because it's amazing, um, it, it's I think it's better than the, the American version uh, because it's more succinct. Um, but it kind of shows their process, and, and you'll learn a lot about their process. Well, yeah, but you've got to understand, like, they're also upset because right. everyone knows, like, well, well, everyone knows the happy stuff about the European countries, that they have this amazing, awesome vacation time, right? Get 30 days off. Everyone does that except England. Majority of them work like Americans do. Mm-hmm. They work all the freaking time. They do take vacations, but they work all the freaking time. So they make a lot of money. They also buy majority of the cars. A lot of other European countries, they don't. They make cars in Germany, and then they ship them to England. Italy makes crappy cars. So does France. Right. No one heard, buys those cars. Have you heard about the latest EU regulation on cars? Oh, well, no. no. It's this one. Speed this, limiters. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. They cost so many accidents. They expect to be in the cars by 2020. Huh. Mm, mm, mm. Is that is that another reason why the Mustang is starting to sell up there? Up in England, it's like, we get that Ford Must, Mustang, yeah. <laughs> when the Mustang's the king of the Autobahn? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that would be. That's oh, the other disgusting. thing, too. So you can put limiters in there. It's supposed to, as I was listening to it, they, they're like, the computer system knows if you're getting ready to speed, so it'll take action. It'll warn you, or it could slow slow you down, but yeah. hopefully they have some in there. If you're on the Autobahn, you don't have to worry about it. Because there are some smart ones, because like the um, um, the GTR, the R35, um, it has a the GPS limiter. It knows when you're on, on the Autobahn, and it knows if you're on a racetrack. It takes a limiter off, which is neat. It's a smart one. Bored. All right. So back to the notes. <laughs> Sorry. That was just for saying I was boring earlier. Um on January 15th, they rejected the deal by 432 to 202, the largest defeat for a sitting government in UK history. Uh, then on March 12th, after Theresa May had gone back to the EU to secure further legal assurances, they rejected the deal again. And then on March 29th, the original say that the UK was to sue to leave the EU. MPs rejected the withdrawal deal for a third time, 344 to 286. So here's the timeline for Brexit. So in June of 2016, they voted to leave the EU. So in March 2017, the government triggered Article 50 of with Parliament's approval that tells the EU they're leaving in two years. June 2018, Parliament approves the Withdrawal Act, makes existing EU law UK law. It says EU can't make future laws for the UK. So they start negotiating the terms of withdrawal. In November of 2018, a draft withdrawal agree was uh, was agreed upon. Um, it, it, in March of this year, if that draft had been voted, it would have been enacted, uh, but it wasn't. So uh, if Parliament doesn't vote for the deal, the EU will leave with no deal. If Parliament votes for the deal, the EU will leave with that deal after a transition period. So there's a cushion. Uh, so in, uh, what is basically called a hard Brexit is the no deal. So the government and EU representatives uh, negotiate 
at this point, a future UK-EU relationship to take effect when the transition period ends and the government decides whether to apply to extend the transition period. So what they're negotiating now is can we get a longer transition period? And Merkel and Macron today said no. Um, December 2020, that transition period ends. And so in 2020... In December, the trade with EU is either under a new deal or trade with EU continues under a backstop agreement. Um, but there is uh, – they, they are leaving the EU no matter what unless there's a new vote. So what are the main issues and why can't a deal be made? The Brexit referendum asks a simple question. Should the UK leave the EU or remain in the union? And that's that's it. That was the only thing that was actually voted on. Should the UK leave the EU or remain in the Union? But there's conflict over whether Britain should retain some aspects of European membership it, if it is able in order to preserve much of its close trade and security relationship with the EU. The talks continue to delay because the UK can't decide what its relationship with the EU should be. So some people want a hard Brexit which would see the UK quit the single market and clamp down on immigration. Others advocate a soft Brexit, and they want the UK to keep access to the economic area and compromise on freedom of movement. Now, Theresa May's failure to make progress in Brexit talks is a function of having to conduct parallel negotiations, one at home and one abroad. So these two conversations overlap, but the rhetoric that animated the domestic debate can be far removed from the arguments the Prime Minister encounters at the EU. So many see the main obstacle as that border with North Ireland because there's a lot of, you know, people don't want the IRA to come back. So what is the main issue with May's deal? MPs are not happy with parts of the deal, which cover aspects of the border with North Ireland. A clause in the agreement would mean the UK would remain in the customs arrangement with the EU of a permanent solution and was not found within the negotiation period. Doing this would essentially avoid the need for a hard border of security checks and custom checks between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, which is in the EU. That's right. The Republic of Ireland will remain in the EU. Northern Ireland is part of Britain. An open border is important to both countries, but at the same time, it goes against much of why people voted for Brexit in the first place. So... The only border that Britain really shares with the EU is in Northern Ireland, where, surprise, surprise, that's where most of the fighting has been for, oh, I don't know, a thousand years? Um, the Brexit backstop conundrum. So both sides want to avoid a hard border. Now, for both for years, the border between Ireland and Northern Ireland was militarized because of the sectarian violence. 3,500 people died. And in 98, Britain and Ireland made a good Friday agreement to end 30 years of violence over whether Northern Ireland should stay in British or join the Irish Republic. With both states in the EU, that ended checks along a 300-mile land border. But Britain leaving would bring that back. So Ireland and the rest of the EU want a backstop insurance policy that says that the UK will follow many EU rules unless and until alternative agreements ensure no hard border. So the EU had proposed keeping only Northern Ireland in its economic, but are, but Prime Minister uh, Theresa May and her Northern Irish allies argued that that would set Northern Ireland on a course towards union with the Republic. So now keep all of UK tied to EU rules. So... Long story short, 
the British want to keep Northern Ireland and they don't want to embolden the local politicians from stirring up sectarian violence that would uh, encourage Northern Ireland to leave. And so a lot of this is just sort of like imaginary fantasy bullshit. Like, (laughs) and we'll we'll kind of sum up with that. Um, But the EU, uh, so the backstop is a red line, which many in the UL on both sides agree. So they're really arguing over this hard border uh, over in Northern Ireland. Um, So does a no deal crash out mean a hard border? So if they have a no deal exit, a hard exit, um, where no deals in place, 2020 comes around. Does that mean there's a hard border? British Britain says it will impose border checks. It says it will not impose border checks. And so has Ireland. However, the EU says there must be checks on British goods coming in. The EU will want to see at least discrete checks being made. If not, Britain would have a backdoor to the EU single market, and Ireland could risk having its own exports to the rest of the WU being subjected to, to checks. So essentially, it would be cheaper to go through Irish ports, which would then embolden and enrich Ireland, and uh, nobody in the history of the world has ever wanted to see Ireland rich. <laughs> so... What else needs to be negotiated other than this hard border in Ireland? Uh, The EU has a single market, meaning goods from other EU countries aren't taxed at the border and people can move around EU as if it was a single country. So outside the EU, the UK would have to pay more to buy buy from and sell to EU countries. It could slow the flow of goods, disrupting production for UK firms. The EU strongly opposes the ability for Britain to cherry-pick the benefits it wants to keep without being a member country. So the EU is just being real dicks and saying, hey, yeah. you you need to take all of these. You can't say which ones you like and which ones you don't in terms of tariffs, regulations, and uh, shipping. As a part of the EU, any special trade deal the UK wants to make with other countries needs to be approved by both the UK MPs and the 27 national parliaments across the EU. Let me read that again so you hear the cluster. (laughs) As a part of the EU, any special trade deal the UK wants to make with other countries needs to be approved by both British Parliament and all 27 parliaments. So a trade deal between Canada and the EU took seven years to agree. The UK is looking to free up its ability to trade with the international community. So it's probable that it will not do that because it will slow the process when it takes Canada and the EU to uh, come to an agreement. So what if the UK leaves without a deal and could Brexit not happen at all? It is written into the law that the UK will be leaving the EU on April 12th. The European Court of Justice has said the UK could cancel Brexit altogether without the agreement of other nations, but politically that isn't likely to happen. If a deal isn't reached, there would be no transition period after the UK leaves, and EU laws would stop applying to the UK's citizens immediately. The UK would be forced to resort back to WTO rules, World Trade Organization rules, and business consortiums have more or less presented a united front against such an outcome, saying it would severely harm Britain's economy. The UK government published a report in late February 2019 outlining the implications for business trade of a no-deal exit. So here is what is predicted by the experts if there is no deal between the EU and UK. Shrinking of the UK economy, possible shortages of food and medicine, 
The EU will treat the UK as a third country for trade goods, potentially affecting the availability of goods and subjecting UK citizens to full Shagan checks and disruption with supply chains. New tariffs that didn't previously apply within the single market and customs union um, will be uh, imposed. Um, As you guys mentioned, for example, the 42.8% of UK vehicle production that is exported to the EU 27 would be subjected to export tariffs as high as 10%. So they would be... They they would be paying ten percent more tax. Um, service sectors eighty percent of the UK GDP, including legal services, financial services, would no longer be supported by free movement. Um, UK lawyers would need to recertify into practice in other European countries. How is the UK preparing for the No Deal Brexit? Um, the UK set out trade plans for no-deal Brexit. The plans, which would apply to both the imports from the EU and outside of the bloc, would eliminate 87% of tariffs, but introduce 10% duties on cars and levies on beef, chicken, pork. So they're now taxing things that are coming into the into uh, into the UK. There would be no duties or custom checks on the island of Ireland since the UK has promised to avoid the hard border. Um Large corporations have been preparing for this since 2017, um, especially financial, pharmaceutical, automotive, food, which is kind of their their uh, chief uh, mode of GDP. Financial service companies have moved assets worth almost 800 billion pounds, including staff, operations, and funds, to mainland Europe since the 2016 vote. One of the greatest concerns is the supply of medical goods. The big drug makers have already built stockpiles, with most going beyond the six-week supply mandated by the government. Ministers have promised to charter an aircraft if needed to bring in drugs with a short shelf life, and medical supplies will take priority on government-chartered ferries. So when you already have socialized medicine that is that is uh, spotty at best in terms of service and availability, man, that's going to be rough. People are literally going to die because of these fights over imaginary lines. Mm-hmm. What is the impact of the EU nationals in the UK? The UK government is offering more than 3 million EU citizens currently in the UK settled status that would grant them the right to stay. So where are the Brexit talks at currently? On April Fool's Day, 12 days before the UK was set to crash out of the block, lawmakers rejected four alternatives to Theresa May's Brexit deal. The four alternatives, including... uh, Four alternatives, I'll sum this up fairly quickly. uh, One lost... um, One motion called on the government to ensure that the Brexit plan includes a permanent and comprehensive UK-wide customs union within the EU... Uh, one lost that proposed a uh, political declaration which covers the future relationship between the, EK, the UK and EU to be renegotiated so that the UK joins the European Free Trade Association um, and it retains its membership in certain uh, trade agreements. Uh, that lost. Um, one lost saying that Parliament would not be allowed to ratify any Brexit deal until it has been confirmed by a referendum. Whew. Uh, so then you're going to have <laughs> the public vote on it. Uh, another one vote. This motion has a series of actions. If the no withdrawal agreement has been agreed by non uh, a- April 10th was a hard deadline. Tomorrow is a hard deadline. 
um, when you're hearing this. If no withdrawal agreement has been agreed by non uh, by anyone on April 10th, the UK must seek a delay to Brexit from the bloc, which is why she's meeting with the EU now. Uh, if the EU does not allow a further extension tomorrow, the government must allow MPs to choose between leaving without a deal and revoking Article 50, which would scrap the Brexit process altogether. None of the four Brexit options that MPs in the House of Commons voted on received more votes than the Prime Minister um, Theresa May's last options. So basically on April 5th, Theresa May wrote to the EU to ask for an extension of Article 50, the Brexit law, in order to give the House of Commons time to pass her withdrawal agreement. This would push the date in which the UK would leave the bloc without a deal back from April 12th. Uh, so in a letter to the president uh, of the European Council, May stated that the UK wants to push the leaving date back to the 30th, uh, June 30th. Her letter proposes that if she manages to pass the bill, the UK should be able to leave before the European parliamentary elections on May 23rd. Um, Tusk proposes pushing back the date to March 29, 2020. Now, it's up to the EU whether to grant an extension of May's proposal, and it's at odds with Tusk's. He proposed that the UK should be given a flexible extension to Article 50, ending on March 29, 2020. So another year. His plan, a flextension, would need to be agreed by EU leaders at a summit this week. It is speculation that the flex tension has divided opinions among European unions. Some like it because it removes the prospect of a series of new cliff edges and the annoyance of EU leaders having to reconvene at regular intervals to grant fresh, fresh extensions. But some, including Macron in France, will likely oppose the idea since it drags out the Brexit process and continues to import uncertainty into the EU. So here are a few other options. As if you're not already confused enough. These are great notes, but this is all very confusing. Basically, to kind of recap what's going on right now, what Theresa May is doing is she is trying to renegotiate more time for a, a deal. Give me, give me more time. Give me a couple more months to work with the British Parliament to figure out a deal. Let, let me take this deal that we've negotiated EU back to, and see what I can work out with the British Parliament parliament and the eu is saying no we'll give you another year <laughs> well, and some some inside the eu are saying no that just keeps delaying all this bs mm -hmm. they well, need to get their stuff together or else they did approve her request for the short extension okay right, yes. parliament did okay yes. today yep okay most likely will get rejected <laughs> yeah by the eu because they want the flex they want the the, the extended yeah. year, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they they see what happens to the United States every um, time we have to renegotiate the budget. We just get a continuation, a continuation yeah, and it's continuation. just like oh, we got to fight again. Are we got to oh, fight we've again. Seen this before yeah. <laughs> they don't want that. So yeah, th there's a likelihood that this is all all this turmoil is going to end the Theresa May government, and there will be new elections. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of this is untenable and there's calamity taking place in the British, uh, parliamentary, in the British political scene. I'm kind of surprised she hasn't like just said, I, I'd out. be like, I'm going to New Zealand <laughs> to go to a beach. Screw you guys. Um, if the current Brexit unrest results in a general election, the EU uh, could offer an extension until the 20, the 31st of this year. 
Um, the block believes that this would be the minimum amount of time that would be granted to ensure it is not unduly disturbed again in the autumn as it is deciding top jobs and policy uh, priorities. Um, so there's just a lot of talk about disten- extensions of what would happen with new governments and how do we get this done. Uh, and so that's where we're kind of at. I mean, if you're walking away from this going, I, I understand Brexit better. I understand why it happened. I have no idea what's going on right now. You're not alone. I don't feel like the leaders understand exactly what they're doing. They're, it's, they're arguing over extensions. They're not arguing over deals. I, I think that <laughs> some of the leaders know what they're doing because their goal isn't to actually see this through. Right. It's to get it reversed. Or bail, um, or get the heck out. But right. also protecting themselves in case this goes through and they have no, you know, protect. You know, they they want to make sure that they're covered both ways. Mm-hmm. I fought against this deal, right? <laughs> well, the, the the labor party is trying to just delay this out, keep letting the bull get gored. That is the conservative party of Theresa May, and then usher in the era of Corbyn. Which who is just an absolute anti-Semitic socialist? Yes. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn would be an absolute disaster for Britain, um, and I don't think that he's going to do any better in terms of getting a deal. I just, I, I mean, this seems completely they, they, impossible to do. Like they're at the point now where, like, if you're in a dating scenario and you're talking to a, a, a guy or girl, and you've gone out on a couple dates and you like each other, but you're, you're sort of like on the fence. And then it dwindles down to the point where you're just kind of asking how how was your day? You know, it's been like three weeks and you really don't have anything to talk about other than uh, what happened in your day. You're talking about daily events. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing going to happen there. This is over. Mm-hmm. Move along. Right. Like you, you know, if you're not having those four hour conversations every night about the deepest parts of your soul, then move along. Like we're now at the point and Reinhold just made a face because he's a libertarian. No, no, it's just that. Once you're married for 20 years. Right, yeah. You're back to the... The mystery. What was your day like? Yeah. But the 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 reality is, uh, like, they're talking about extensions, and they're talking about some of these superfluous things that you just... There's no doubt in my mind that we're going to end up with the British people saying, do we have to do this? I feel like that's where this is going. Yeah, they're trying to just make... just exhaust them so much that it's like whatever just do whatever just stop this well yeah well they just need bargaining power with the e the eu they need something to bargain with and me pers- personally i think they should bargain with and threaten them with trump becoming the 51st state right if they don't give a better deal they won't do their <laughs> this border cool we'll put a u.s military base right here by becoming the 51st state right just threaten them threaten it threaten it see what happens I like well, I mean, how much different is Corbin than in, in, in reality? Here's the problem: better, they'll have better gun laws. It, it, no, it does, May is Corbin. Corbin is May. Like right. in this situation, you're what? What I think what people don't appreciate sometimes um, about being in the position that like a May or a Trump or a Paul Ryan or like you're kind of stuck in an intractable position. And sometimes when you're um, you're elected to an office, you're kind of trapped in the decisions that have been made mm-hmm. over the last year or 250 years. Two, and so yeah, at least 20 decades, you know, so Corbin and 
the, the the system here is that they're stuck between the EU and Parliament, and any prime minister is going to have a really difficult time trying to get an opposition to do anything to help them out. <laughs> so it does. It, like Corbyn comes in, if he doesn't win by a super majority, the conservatives are not going to give him what he wants. Like the system itself isn't set up for this. And so the way that our politics works in the Western societies is just intractable. Social media, I think, has made some of these things just... I think it's always kind of been intractable, but we're at a point now where you cannot get big things done. Um, And so the British people voted for something that realistically couldn't be done because you just... You you can't do something like this in 2019. Correct. Like. Yeah, yeah. The only reason like most things are like exploding and things are growing online is it's where the government doesn't have their fingers at yet. Right. That's the only thing that's growing. Anywhere they they don't have they don't have an eye on. You know this thing grows. They can get yeah. they get power on. I think that's why the internet isn't growing as much as it used to. Because now they're putting because now they're in there. I mean, right. Between Black Friday and everything else. Yeah, they're in there. They're putting their fingers in there. Just like, look what the EU is doing to censor the internet right now for that link tax. We make tax for links. Do, I don't think the meme, there's a meme tax. Yeah, the meme tax. You know, the EU put out that censorship, forcing article companies 13. to, yeah, Article 13, or yeah. they actually moved to Article 16. They moved it down, so <laughs> it's harder to find. Um, yeah. uh, to, what was it, the... Uh, what is it? Uh, I'm going to butcher the wording on it, but it's the idea that companies who have to do like video updating like that, the copyright claim is more on the uh, person on the company that allowed the person to upload it versus the uploader. Right. Which that protection you have inside the United States and they are shredding away out of you. So what that, that problem with that is the company like, like YouTube or Alpha Goog who owns YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, Alphabet, Owns Google, which owns YouTube. Alpha right. Goog. Mm-hmm. Alpha Goog. Yeah, Alpha Goog. That was my nickname in college. Which is, I'm, still, I'm still shocked you went to college. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I dropped out. But you when you danced? No. Hmm? <laughs> All right, f- let's start wrapping up on Brexit. Let's. Uh, this is this has been a an episode of We Are Libertarians. Um, okay. I feel like it was a good episode thanks to Sam and thanks to your insights. I was I was shit on this episode. I'm not even going to lie. I was pretty bad on this one, but uh, it's fine. That's how I'm feeling right now. Just this well, one? And with the other thing. <laughs> I hate you, Harry. <laughs> New Harry. New Harry's much better for content, but much worse as a friend. <laughs> hey, not even going to come to dinner on Saturday night. I have a game with we are libertarians people yeah, with the people who are going to be at the dinner. you can go to the no, dinner. no no the only person that's a member of wall at that thing is Gus Galach Plaz okay Paul and then did you just dox him yeah I did whoa whoa just <laughs> doxing people poor Paul just, I love you Paul just, I just want you to know just <laughs> took, took a beating this episode full Bobby Knight in him man yeah and the other people are people who go to the walnut meetings uh-huh so we've got our, they're all invited they can come we're just the, going to the, the bar over to the b-dubs the hardcore car carrying socialists yeah of course we're going to the bar they're, b-dubs they're gonna let me there yeah no, this yeah, one, no, exactly. no these are actual socialists these are, <laughs> all right final I'll play one on the final radio. thoughts on yeah. on brexit in the episode reinhold well the one thing i want to bring up too is that the reason 
the United States people should be watching this mm-hmm. is just the parallels of what's going on with the sovereignty issue uh, between a central authority and the state's authorities and how that negotiation should be handled and, and how they're doing it wrong and how it should be done right. And other than that, I mean, it's really kind of their deal to deal with and it's right. interesting to talk about, but there are so many things you can get, you can take away from seeing this play out and then looking at our country and figuring out how, how we would react and deal with that. Mm-hmm. And, and the differences in the United States between the differences in Europe and the makeup of it and how we've kind of embraced immigration for hundreds of years where they never really did until recently. And that's right. causing a lot of that. Um, but it's also kind of a good history lesson on how, how brilliant some of the people making those, the constitution and the documents that we were living under when they were trying to do kind of the same thing, how are we going to work as a group? Right. And the articles of confederation were failing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't, they, they figured out that instead of trying to just kind of fix it, they would just start from scratch, write new documentation. And it's lasted this long. Yeah. You know, with all the issues that libertarians have with the encroachment of the state and all that stuff, it's still a much, it's been a much better situation than some of the craziness we see. Right. Hmm. In, in, in other people trying to grab power um, centrally like we see in Europe. Right. Hmm. Harry? I think of this, I think Reinhold's right while Americans probably should look at it because if, or sorry, when states decide to see the sinking ship, which is the United States uh, Trade Union, and decide to jump off the empire, this is what's going to happen. So that's why, you know, like, and I think there'll probably be more argument when Arcadia does happen. We just, you know, just hard, like, hard break off. That's right. the break off of uh, England, New Hampshire, and, uh, yeah, and Vermont just leave the United States. But just, they, we tried to 100 and some odd years ago, and how did that turn out? Don't fire on <laughs> Fort Sumter. How hard Just is that? Just leave Fort Sumter alone. Just let them have it. Let them have it. Fortunately, there's no slavery anymore, but... Let's lose. Maybe some of us are like let's slaves lose. to the state, but that's fine. Well, prisoners. Just to, Pris- don't prisoners. pay that parking ticket. Yeah, prisoners and uh, <laughs> students. Technically students. You know, because like how much debt... Uh, how much debt do you have to owe the state to still be like a slave? Because I've seen so many people who owe like 120000 to Sally May. And like, you're like never going to pay that back. Yeah. And, and which, I, I, I resemble the remark. You, it's 120000 to Sally May. Quite that much. but I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I met someone last week and I've literally dropped my jaw. Because they... I, I work with a lot of millennials now. Right. And they are all going around talking about their student loans. Oh, yeah. And I was right. just like, what? Yeah. I made mistakes. You know what? You know what? My student loan payments were like $90. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Raise your hand if like, you don't have a student loan payment. Right. I don't anymore. Thank you. Thank you to my, <laughs> thank you to my mother who, who paid off the, the student loans for her children uh, when she got an inheritance. Um a promise delayed, but a promise fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to her. Uh, but the end of the day, it was $90. It's not like my car payment, which is four, four seventy. you know? It's like, well, or my rent the, is seven dollars That's the other it's thing. The like, like, problem is people have that massive debt, and they'll go and go get cars. Anyways, I don't want to get back in that money day, because people are being stupid with money. I'm not going back into that. Y- yeah, like... But, 
the the student loan debt was my lowest payment and like the just debt snowball that just don't just don't pay it and then go into forbearance just, like 10 times no, no and you then, don't understand <laughs> what I've done that yeah right yeah well the, the, the you know how much my payments are now uh how much 700 a month jeez damn the fuck damn jet xers you should like talk to somebody about that <laughs> well who am i gonna talk I don't what know. You should do. I see a Bernie involved. Which, right. Just wait till a boomer passes. My, my steal dad. their identity. Right. Steal a boomer's identity. What? They're, no, I'm listening. I'm, they're not I'm online. All for it. They're probably not online. Right. Right. We take their identity. Take their big mansions because they'll probably die with some massive four thousand square foot house that's paid off. What? They probably have, no. I'm I'm with you. That's, I'm my, that's my only. Debt and right you now. escape. That you take their social security because you're not going to get it, and right. you just escape your student loan debt and just take this boomer's identity. <laughs> it's, the, it's the one that you can't buy file every, bankruptcy on. Buy, so and buy everything online so that no one really sees you, and you just be this boomer. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reinhold's yeah, Reinhold still feeling depressed over there, and Harry's just like still a boomer identity. He went full. You've been <laughs> hanging around niece too much. That was a totally. Am I wrong? That was a totally Niecean delivery <laughs> idea like it had sociopathy it had uh it, it had like it wasn't quite as no scale wise no it wasn't quite there. it wasn't it wasn't presented in the same way but it had you know theft and crime and hating boomers i mean that was just full you've been around james too much that's okay. I had a boomer off me like you know like i'm gonna sell this house for three hundred fifty thousand. told him like you can die in that house Anyways, um, <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, good to get any emails. But the other thing is with the yeah, notice is like the bickering, the how this is going to happen, how is all this has happened is are the governments, the businesses know what to do. They're just going to call up people and make deals. That's how they do it. They do it quickly. Governments got to sit there, have committee, and wonder how are they going to get paid. This is this is the problem with this whole Brexit and trade deal. This is the reason for the trade deal. Governments because they want. Their fair share for something they did not do. Nothing. They did nothing. Sorry. That's my thing. That's okay. All right. Uh, you good? Uh, Sorry. Hamburgers. Yeah, I'm good. I feel like it's sort of based on what you, what you were saying. Mm-hmm. This just sort of illustrates how dumb government is. Like, how many people are caught in the middle of all this while these politicians argue over nonsense? Mm -hmm. You're going to not have medicine because politicians are arguing over nonsense? Like, where do they get off? You know what grinds my gears? This. (laughs) Like, it just... All of this, as I'm reading the show notes, as we're talking about Brexit, like, the whole thing just seems ludicrous to me. Well, it's it's uncertainty, too. How How much economic loss do they have because of the uncertainty of the last two years, because people aren't going to invest as much as they might have if they had known what their situation was going to be like. Right. So people are scared about what's going to happen. So they're not doing any of that stuff. So you know that they can't be growing their economy as much as they could be. Right. I like that woman in the in the clip. She just feels like she has no control over her life. Everybody in in England right now feels like. 
or the United Kingdom just feels like I I have my wagon attached to one about to veer off of a cliff. Like, and it doesn't matter what side you're on, if you're a lever or a remainer. Just all of this, the the idea that we're crafting all of these trade policies, like, bitch, you guys can't even decide on a deadline. You're gonna you're gonna figure out you you're gonna create the special yeah. magic sauce but of it's an just economy. Gonna, it's just gonna create more situations of people being emotionally deta- you know emotional issues. Just like we have United States with when Trump won, a lot of people went into Trump syndrome and PTSD from that, right? Because they built it in this whole in their whole mind. It, and Chelsea Handler, Handler went on. Oh yeah, that was psych meds. That was great. If your government to give, listen to though, but, if your government gives you psychosis. <laughs> Your government is too big. Yeah. yeah, Or you've built it up in your head too much. It just, but what she realizes, it triggered past trauma in her life when she was out of control. And that's all it did. She, cause she had put so much into that election that uh, when it didn't go her way, she felt she was not in control, just like right. what happened to her when she was nine and her brother died and all sorts of stuff. Right. So that's, that's the, post-traumatic stress disorder part of it where it's just triggering those memories and that feeling that you once had before and you don't and it you don't know why you're feeling it. you're just upset because you've invested so much into it right, right. Yeah. and it's going to happen in, the, in europe it's already or in in, in uh, great britain they're doing the same thing because they're you know there, there's there's so much going on about it and there's so much uncertainty that there's no way they're going to be able to right. like get a grasp on it in their head and it's also part of the reason why so many people won't vote libertarian, even though they kind of agree with libertarian mm-hmm. beliefs and views, is because they want to wake up the next day. Right. They don't want that uncertainty. They want to know, even if it's a bad situation, that at least it's not, at least it's known. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And that's that's the thing you have to overcome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us here on We Are Libertarians. Thank you to Reinhold for being here. Thank you to Harry for being here. Um. I uh, I just appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Uh, I, I may trim up the, the beginning a little because I was a madman. Um, but uh, the the patrons will get to hear all of it, but the rest of you will get to hear an edited version of my uh, my psychosis. I, I, like I, I listen to that stuff and I go, I'm like doing it. I'm like, uh, this might be funny, and then I'm like, if you don't get the joke, you're probably not gonna you're probably gonna think I'm an insane person. But uh, it's okay. All right, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of We Are Libertarians. Keep joining the group so that you can join in on helping We Are Libertarians and Dear Leader win the bracket challenge on the Volunteer Madness LP, Volunteer Madness page, or whatever it is. Just join the Facebook group. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com. Also, uh, we just put out a a call if you... Uh, have ideas for dailies yep. that you, if there's a topic you want discussed that you're not hearing discussed that we, we haven't thought that would be interesting, but you want to hear about it. Let us know. Tell right. us what you want to hear. All right, guys, editor at we are libertarians.com. If you got any questions, comments, whatever. All right. Thanks for listening to we are libertarians and we'll see you next week.